Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. What are we going to get, little one-year-old Panny, for her anniversary? <laughs> her one-year birthday? <laughs> little Panny's a whole year old now. Yeah, usually once you're a year old, you can start to get a needle. Yes. Right. And actually, this is the, a great example of not keeping a, a child in the house for too long. We want you gone. Right. Get out of our house. Uh-huh. Move on with your own life. Yes. And she's getting strong fast. Like, she's spreading still, and she's got variants. She's got brothers and sisters. <laughs> but uh, we continue to do the battle. And what a year it has been. And people, some, saying that they don't think we'll ever see our way out of this. Like, not completely. Like, COVID will always be around. And it's I, I, that's probably true. This, this uh, disease, this uh, virus, will probably, as other viruses, flus and such, be with us now, maybe forever. But that's why we have vaccines and that's why we take our flu shot in the wintertime in November to curb all of that. So. Right. Well, yeah, to, to try and at least protect ourselves and protect some. That's that yeah. herd immunity concept, right? And uh, I guess now uh, it's interesting with uh, the states and uh, some states opening wide up. Texas is going to be doing that. But they are going to be starting their season opener with the Toronto Blue Jays playing in Arlington. To 100,000 capacity. Yeah. And uh, now they are saying in, in Texas, in Arlington, and at the stadium that their masks will be mandatory unless you're drinking and eating. Now, I don't know how many people will fit into the uh, Rangers stadium, but it's going to be kind of hard to keep on top of that. You know, some guy sitting up in the, uh, the nosebleeds. Right. Well, not only off. that, I mean, you've got drinks and food yeah. available in the seats. Right. So, I mean, you're just going to leave your mask off while you've got a beer in your hand, wouldn't you? Which is just going to drive up sales for yep. concessions. Yeah. <laughs> the one good thing about the mask and going to events like that, once again, is uh, if you got to wear it, it's great in the bathroom. Because you don't have to smell all the other dudes. <laughs> you want extra filter? Like I've noticed here. <laughs> so we have to wear our mask in this building, right? So when you walk around the hallways, you have to wear the mask. And so... When you go to the washroom here, you've got the mask on. I've gone to the washroom here. I've sat on the can with my mask on. I go, it's good. I can't even smell me. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there like an idiot with my mask on. The bathroom all by myself. Still smells like garlic for yeah, some reason. that's right. We eat a lot of it. Um, so what do you think? Would you, could you go to Arlington? It's an outdoor stadium. Somebody said, hey, I got, uh, I got tickets. You want to go? Could you find yourself sitting there for a season opener? I don't think I could. Not yet. I, not not yet. I, personally, I, I mean, if they were fifty percent capacity, yeah, or, or lower, you know. So you've got like you know, I I never liked it. You know, remember getting into the dome and you've got like a middle of the the uh, the row seat, right? And you gotta got everyone to get up and yep. you know, shuffle by them. Uh, the seats are tight. You got people. You're squeezed in with people next to you. Uh, I didn't like that to begin with. I, I'm with you. The best of times, <laughs> I don't like being with a lot of people like right. that. You know, if you thought if, at least if you had a seat separation, one seat, mm. and a and a row in front and back would be nice as well. But yeah, every other row. And, and I just feel bad for businesses in Texas. Look, they live and die by their own rules. We saw that with the storm, but. You know, the uh, I, I saw a report with a, a few, like, restaurant owners, bar openers, shop store o- owners, and they're like, the governor's really throwing us under the bus here because he's saying everybody can be maskless now, and now we got to stand at our front doors, and if we want people to still wear masks, we're going to have to get into that fight. Yeah, the, the, the Governor Abbott in Texas had said uh, there's no capacity limits anymore and yeah. no mask mandatory rule, but 
counties and cities can decide themselves if they want to have a mandatory mask policy. But the other story that's making its way around the news cycle today is that some of the northern states are going to press Joe Biden to open the border up and get that conversation, the border with Canada, Uh, to which I've got to say right now, I mean, they want to do it by July because Americans should be vaccinated by the end of May. Right. Which is good for you. But this is also the country who has said we're not sharing vaccines with Canada. Right. Now, so, is, is Biden still sticking to that? Yeah, he's it sticking is, with right? that until until Americans are vaccinated. Right. So that's all well and good. But the first thing across once everyone in the States is vaccinated, it shouldn't be an American citizen. Mm. It should be the vaccines that you're not using sure. anymore. You want to send those across first and get us help and then open it up because yes you know you want to see the border open back up and i'm sure a lot of border towns of would course. love to see that as well you yep. get the uh, cross-border traffic going and and uh, the tourism industry absolutely for the summertime but let's share the wealth yeah we've come this far i, I can't imagine it'd be interesting too i mean this is just us with one border i wonder how some european countries are dealing with it when you're sitting sometimes in the middle of like four or five different countries around you you know, Switzerland says they're totally vaccinated. Italy's half vaccinated. France is saying it's got to be just incredibly uh, tough to figure out. Maybe that's why they have everything under the EU, because if one opens, everybody's open. Perhaps. Well, and that's why, you know, there's been hints at, at these vaccine passports, too. Right. 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 You know, one that uh, you can cross a border if you've been vaccinated. See, and I have a tough time with that because as much as I want to have the vaccine and I believe in the vaccine, I think it's unfair for you to now say to somebody, if you don't want it, you can't do this, that or the other thing. That, listen, it's you still have the right to choose. Mm-hmm. And when you tell somebody they can't get on a plane or go somewhere because they haven't taken their vaccine... I'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little leery of that. It it, it certainly it 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 brings a division line yeah. in in the argument for sure because yeah. I think a lot of people would say, but listen, you know, you can you're free to to think that way if you mm. want to, but I don't necessarily want you mingling with me either. But they don't make you now have a they don't allow they don't say you can't go on a flight if you don't take your flu shot or no, the, no. you know. This is it's because this is the thing right now. And, yeah. and one day this won't be the thing anymore and we won't care and life will go back to normal. But I just find it a little mm, you're not going to be allowed to do things if you don't do things our way. That's concerning. On the line, Dr. Tony Stone, chief of staff with Lake Ridge Health. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, my friend. How are you this morning? We are good. And I guess um, happy one year anniversary. <laughs> is this happy to our to our little pandemic friend we've we've called her penny now she certainly has grown in a year and spun <laughs> off brothers and sisters i guess with the uh variants yeah. but here we sit one year later doctor and well we're still all upright anyhow that's something and we're still uh, soldiering on uh, and are you happy with where we're heading with this thing at this stage yeah you know what guys it's, this this is this is one of these moments of um of of mixed feeling uh where we, I think we're all happy, but what we're, what we're hearing now about vaccine and a stable, stable supply of vaccine coming into Canada in the next several months, um, with a light at the end of the tunnel that's just getting bigger, uh, even as we sort of pause to reflect on the last year, I mean, who could imagine, right? And here we are, you know, we've been in, all, we've been in this together the whole way. We've had lots of chance to talk with each other. Um, so, but it is a, it is a, a such a huge milestone, and um, and I think what we you know what we're thinking about anyway at Lake Ridge, is 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 
I'm going to say having having activities for the next several days in recognition of the anniversary of the pandemic. And it'll be this mixture of remembering uh, the challenges, but then celebrating the team and then uh, and then looking forward. Doctor, if you get a chance uh, to reflect on on the year that has been, I know there's been just over 300 deaths in the Durham region, but a lot of progress that has happened as well in terms of the numbers coming down. Uh, what's your thought as, as to Durham's response in the last year? Uh, I think when, you know, you look at, you look at um, the intensity of the pandemic in the, in the greater Toronto area, uh, I'm really proud of the response that, uh, that Durham has had, you know, notwithstanding um, some of the tough challenges, including some of our long-term care facilities and, and the people that live there and how they were affected, I would still say that Durham in general has, has had a tremendous response, and I think that's a testament to um, a combination of factors. But one of them for sure is, is the, the commitment and hard work of the people who live here to, to you know, do the right things during the pandemic to minimize risk. So kudos to everybody who's listening. Um, there's been, a, there's been a, many players who I think have been a, a major factor. Dr. Tony Stone, Chief of Staff from Lake Ridge Health, joining us this morning, one year into this pandemic. And as much as we're happy to hear vaccines are rolling in now and uh, sooner and quicker uh, than they have been, there's still this lingering, is there going to be a third wave? These variants are a concern. People are wondering, does the vaccines work against the variants? So we still got to, I guess, be uh, vigilant with our masks and our hand washing but what are your concerns about the variants? And we saw, I guess, a, a, a tent, so, uh, some sort of tent structure at Sunnybrook being set up in case of a third wave. How do we feel in Durham about this idea that there could be a, a pretty strong third wave and the variants? Well, you know, I, I, um, maybe, I don't know if you guys have talked about the modeling, but it seems likely that there will be a, a third wave that's driven by the variant, um, mainly the, U, the UK or the B117 variant. Um, the, the question is how big, uh, you know, all the data now is looking like, you know, 35 or 40 percent of, um, of new cases are with, with a variant. We know they're more transmissible, so they're easier to catch. Uh, we know that people carry a higher viral load with the variant. Uh, it looks like there's evidence that, that you can get sicker. So it's this, it's this, it's, I would say we have the sense of, um, a race with uh, getting as many people vaccinated as we can by while we minimize the third wave. The thing is, you know, and I think this is the thing that um, we haven't seen specific changes in details like um, close contact, but we've seen enough where you, you'll recall the outbreak in the condo unit in Mississauga mm -hmm. with a variant. And these were people who didn't um, associate outside of just traveling in the elevator together. What does that mean for us? It's the things that you guys just said. Um, we, we keep the intensity on the safety measures for the next few months while the vaccines roll out to minimize the size of the third wave. Um, I think that's, that's our, um, our shared strategy here, and we'll be okay. That's the thing we got to do. Doctor, you mentioned the word race, and it, it seems uh, like there's a real race on to get the vaccines and people uh, who really want to get them. We've, we've seen the, the booking system at 8 o'clock uh, explode and, and, uh, and people over 80 struggling uh, to, to get on to that day, day after day uh, to try and get their vaccine going. How uh, is the supply front, and, and when do you foresee that we're going to see some real progress going on in the vaccines? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, um, this, 
what I see happening is, uh, you know, we've been tasked, and, 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 and this, is, this is really public health-led, but Lake Ridge is, a, is an important partner and primary care is an important partner. But, but the task is to um, make sure that we are completely ready to deliver 10,000 vaccines a day. Mm-hmm. If you actually look at the number of vaccines coming into Canada, at least where the Pfizer and Moderna is concerned, uh, it'll probably translate into approximately 6,000 a day here in Durham. Um, I'm just using, you know, back of the napkin numbers. Mm-hmm. What I see happening in the next few weeks is all of the kinks and bugs are being worked out. I know it's frustrating for everybody because we, we want it to have been completely, uh, all the, the kinks worked out. But I'm confident, frankly, that in the next few weeks, those kinks will be worked out. Um, and, uh, and what I will say is, is the plan for the vaccine rollout in Durham with, um, with developing the vaccination centers all across Durham, I think it's a great plan. Uh, I know we're going to get there. I do, I do, though, agree and understand the frustration about the ease at which people, um, you know, are, are, or the difficulties people might be having today in getting their booking. So, you know, I know the team's working on it. I know public health's working on it. Um, I have confidence, though, that we'll get the vaccines in arms and we're not going to be having a lot of vaccine in freezers and we, and, and we don't know how to get it in arms. And doctor, speaking of which, and we've heard about the vaccine rollout and it's a, a pressure on to get the first shot and now the extension between shots and going from what was three or four weeks now to up to four months. Uh, that's a game changer, but at the same time, has got some people worried about that stretch in time. Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's, here's how I, I read this. Um, if you look at the information uh, that's been available scientifically, after a, f- a few weeks after you, uh, people get their uh, Pfizer vaccine, and Moderna and Pfizer, as you know, are very similar, um, then the, the vaccine appears to be 92% effective. So, you know, we're hearing all these strange numbers, but that's, but that's the key data that, uh, that Canada is using uh, to, su- to support this conversation. What we know is that there's, there's two months and now there's, we're starting to see three-month data on, on uh, people's um, neutralizing antibody levels being sustained. So it is true uh, that there isn't the data for the four-month window. But what the, I think what the experts are doing here is they're using modeling that clearly shows that if you get one shot into everybody, you really will start to put the lid on the pandemic faster mm. than, than slowing vaccine rollout and getting two shots. What I see happening is, and you know, it's the reality of being, uh, being in the middle of a pandemic where there's only so fast that the research can move. So, so we're getting the experts who are using vaccine science and giving their best advice to get us all safe as quickly as possible. I, I support the idea that there's an extension because if you look at vaccine science, there's, you know, and think about vaccines that, that are given to your kids or your grandkids. There's a lot of these vaccines are really spaced out uh, because our immune systems are designed to develop the immunity and then hold that immunity. And so far, all the data is suggesting that that's true. Um, so I, I think that this strategy is a good one for Canada and for Ontario and for Durham, uh, even though I know there's some angst that the, that the research hasn't fully caught up. You know, Doctor, I think it's uh, probably both frustrating but good that uh, so many people over 80 are struggling to to book uh, their appointment. That shows that a lot are interested in getting the vaccine. And, of course, we want our seniors vaccinated so they don't get sick, and certainly with the variants. But I, I wanted to share this with you because my father is 
is is in his 80s and he called and was on hold for about 50 minutes waiting to book his appointment. And so the guy comes on the phone and he says to him, hello, Mr. Venn, how are you? My dad says, fine. He says, how old are you? He says, well, I'm 82, but I was 81 when I made this phone call. (laughs) 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 So they had a good giggle about that. But uh, Uh, it is good to see, you know, certainly with all the senior centers and and, and, uh, first line workers, they're getting the vaccines and the, the older crowd is the people that we're really concerned about. So the, just the fact that they're getting it and getting it quick is, is uh, I think, a, a big uh, sigh of relief for many of us. It is. And then what, and our jobs, the rest of us, is to keep them safe and do all the right stuff in the meantime until we get that dose in their arm. And remember, it takes a few weeks for the immunity to, to really kick in. So, um, so we will, we, will, we will take care of each other, and then we will get those vaccines in arms, guys. And, of course, Lucky and I still standing by. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anytime you want to swing by, we're, we're arms out, doctor. I, I thought you guys were essential workers. We, I, we thought so, too. We've been waiting we for you. We never thought so until months. a year ago. You're but. the only one who thinks we're essential. <laughs> <laughs> all right, doctor, we'll let you go. We know you're a busy man. Thank you. And and again, to all the uh, the people at Lake Ridge Health, one year in, you guys are, are unbelievable, the work you've done in keeping uh, Durham safe. So we appreciate all of that, doctor, and we will uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Lucky. Cheers. Cheers. There he is, Dr. Tony Stone, Chief of Staff, Lake Ridge Health. As we sit one year later with this pandemic, and we talked about this the other day, just our uh, our change in the way we handle the COVID and handle our day-to-day operations with hand sanitizer and doing other things. When people are asked about, uh, have you changed up your routine in, in the last year? Um, we had both agreed that probably we've dropped dropped down a bit in our uh, in our constant uh, awareness of it. But um, more than half of people asked say they have stopped changing their clothes as soon as you get home. And there was some, I guess, who the minute they walked in the house would strip off all their clothing and do that. Uh, many of us have stopped doing that. Sanitizing your groceries, more than half have stopped doing that. Sanitizing packages or mail. Carrying hand sanitizer at all times. Three quarters of us have stopped doing that. Mm. I mean, I guess you don't really need to because everyone's got it somewhere. It's everywhere you go. That's right. The entrance. Immediately washing fruits and vegetables when you get home from the store. Constantly washing your hands even if you haven't gone anywhere. I remember being in my house and like washing my hands dozens of times in the day. And thinking, why? I'm in my... I haven't... But we just did. That's what we did. Well, I guess in all... it's not only that our our habits have changed, but I think the fear has dropped. Has, has dropped, right? Yeah. And that's you know, it's not a bad idea to still wash your hands before you eat. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. even if you haven't been outside. Is Adrian still spraying you down when you walk in the front door? No, that stopped. I don't. <laughs> Is she still making you burn your clothes in the back? I, I don't know, but at the same time, my my habits have changed in terms of I tend to shower now during the day mm. rather like I don't shower right when I wake up. Right in, in the morning, it just that's kind of just turned into my habit time mm. now, right? Uh, which is fine. But like with the boys, you know, you know they've been home, they wash their hands when they get in the door, and then before dinner or sure. meals, you wash your hands again. Well, probably because they they've probably had their fingers up their nose at right. some point. Exa- well, exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. probably not a bad idea. It's just you do it for different reasons now. Let's get into the habit of just doing it in general rather right. than the fear that it's because of. 
of something. Yeah, we were washing all the fruit and vegetables down at mm-hmm. first. Are you still doing that, or is that done? Uh, it depends, really, because it. You know, when you go through the grocery store, there's still that sense of when I pick something up, it's like, oh, should I really put this back down? Oh, <laughs> like, really? Yeah, you yeah. feel that? Yeah. I, I still get that. It, I still, you know, or how many people have actually touched mm. this thing? For the most part, in the grocery, you, you know, you walk in, you're buying a box of cereal, and there's, you know, 1,500 of them in the aisle. Mm. And I'm not worried about, you know, which one has it. So, well, with produce, I mean, when I go to the grocery store, usually I walk in, and I give them the nod that I'm fine, and I put the sanitizer on. And then I, if I touch things, well, I've already had the sanitizer. I know it's just speaking for me and sure yeah. there's others. But then I figure, okay, if I'm buying uh, tomatoes and I bring them home, I don't wash them down right away. They go into the big bowl on the and counter. They get washed before and they get washed before I eat them. Yeah, so. we're, we're the same. Yes. At one point, there was this whole like process of uh, <laughs> right. desanitization as you yeah. walked through the door. And, it, you know, we had like the soapy water side of the sink and then the clean water yep. side of the sink. And, you know, no, that's that's, that's done. All stuff, yeah. And many people say they stopped washing their hands while they sing the happy birthday song. <laughs> and they're not doing it for 20 seconds <laughs> of anymore. <course> not. <laughs> A woman was cheating on her boyfriend. Mm. Shame, shame. Actually, we're going to play that coming up. Okay. Um, But not in the way you'd think. 22-year-old woman posted a story on Reddit about how her three-year relationship ended recently when her 24-year-old boyfriend noticed she was making a lot of suspicious long trips out of the house. He confronted her last week for cheating on him, and he dumped her. She said, that's not what happened. What she was really doing was going to McDonald's because he's a vegan. So she was sneaking. She was sneaking to McDonald's to eat the meat. Good for her. Yeah. Now you think he'd smell that on her. Uh, He doesn't believe her. She swears it's true. Now she's trying to figure out how to prove to him. That uh, she was actually cheating on him with McDonald's. Ah, uh, she was getting fed the meat somewhere else. <laughs> she said, I never thought my relationship would end over something so stupid. <laughs> show them the receipts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've had nine Big Macs this week. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this Mac you're speaking of? 35 years ago, on March 11th, 1986... Popsicle announced plans to switch from two sticks to one stick. Okay. And uh, it, Really? I, I don't remember. I always remember two sticks. Yeah, I, I remember them being one stick, and I had forgotten about the two-stick Popsicle. I remember as a kid eating them, but I guess by 1986, Popsicle said, no, it's had enough. If you don't remember them, the, the Popsicle came with two sticks, and you had two Popsicles, one right. on each stick, and then you had a little strip there in the middle. Was it the same size when they went to one stick? Probably. Was it still the double, or did they did no, split no. them in half they and just give you individuals? Single small one. And they say it's because kids couldn't lick both sides fast enough, so one always ended up melting. And they did some market research with parents and found that the uh, parents widely preferred a single stick version for the sake of the cleanup. So okay. When I was a kid, I remember my mom would like get one and break it in half and give my sister half, and I'd have half. Yes. I guess you as an only child got the whole damn popsicle, didn't you? <laughs> no, my dad took half. <laughs> or half went back in the freezer for the next time. <laughs> so you might be saying, but hold on. The double stick is back. I've seen them. I have. We split them up for the kids. Well, you know who you can thank for that? Justin Bieber. Good Canadian boy. 
so back in May of 2019, Justin Bieber, who was born in 94, so eight years after Popsicle made this life-changing decision. Right. <laughs> uh, he, he posted a tweet lamenting on how it was impossible to find a double-sticked Popsicle. So Popsicle seized on this PR opportunity, and they basically retweeted his tweet and said, look, it, if we receive 100,000 retweets, we'll permanently bring back a line of double-stick Popsicles. Well, they blew past that threshold, and that is why today <laughs> you have the double-stick Popsicle once again. Something that had disappeared like 35 years ago. No way. Came back because of the Biebs. Thank you, Bieber. Yeah. I I think it's crazy that, you know, my first thought when I heard that they went from two sticks to one was like an environmental thing. Right. Right. And I guess that's how times have changed. <laughs> Thought process now right. in like 86. There's care. no way they no. were thinking about trees. No, sir. <laughs> and on Saturday, a, a gentleman by the name of Lou Ottens passed away. Lou is 94 years old. You might not know Lou, but you certainly know what he invented. The cassette. Wow. So grab your old Walkman, whip out your Huey Lewis sports <laughs> cassette, and give her a spin if it still works. Oh, yeah. man, that yellow Sony Walkman. Yeah, it got to work such out. Such a staple. Oh, man. There was no worse noise than when you were rewinding or fast-forwarding your favorite cassette and you heard the tape get chewing up in the head. Right. And you'd have to use the pencil to try to <laughs> wheel it all back in. <laughs> he was a Dutch engineer, and he invented the cassette tape. He also had a hand in the uh, compact disc as well. And the cassette made its debut at a 1963 electronics fair with the slogan, smaller than a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. <laughs> a good point. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, I hope he got, you know, a bit of every cassette sold. It was a lot of them, $100 billion. Real, yeah. So and then he went into the compact disc industry too. So it's not like he, yeah, he was <laughs> good. got eliminated. He he helped with the elimination process of that. Although when you remember, like the Walkman was so great, the Discman, oh yeah, it was bad, was horrible. Right? I had one on the dash of my car. Well, you'd have to put like pillows and <laughs> foam and all sorts of things. Rested on a baby. <laughs> yeah. Like now, if they still had that technology, Amazon would have some sort of like shock absorbing yeah. dash thing to put it on there to make sure that your disc man wouldn't skip every time you went over a bump it's how this is shows to how quickly technology changes uh, so you know the cassette was the only way or eight tracks before that that you'd listen to music in the car then we got the compact disc and you had the little disc man and that sat on our dash or on our passenger seat for a very long time until we started getting cd players in cars not that long ago, I remember when Sirius Satellite arrived, and mm -hmm. it was, again, it was a unit that you had to put on your deck and a big wire that you ran to the back for right. the antenna. Yeah. I had that in my Jeep for the longest time. You show that to somebody now, it's like ancient technology. What the <laughs> hell is this? It's like eight years old. Yeah. Now every car comes with Sirius Satellite. It's right. just how everything changes over the years. But as they say in our high-level meetings, Craig, radio has survived them all. <laughs> I was thinking about that yesterday. You know, podcast, of course, you know, people say, oh, podcast is going to be the death of radio. I, I was going through, I don't know how I stumbled upon this list of podcasts. It's, it's endless. Right. And it's about every ridiculous thing going. And, and then you look at some numbers of podcasts where they've had like two listeners. <laughs> I think we'll be fine. You keep talking about your, uh, your popsicle stick collection. Right. Yeah. And we'll keep doing this. Anyhow, <laughs> we salute.
Mr. Lou Ottens and his uh, invention of the cassette because for certainly guys like me, man, I made a lot of I love you cassettes for a lot of girls. Didn't have the guts to say it myself. (laughs) Here's a compilation. That's right. Here's an air supply song to let you know exactly how I feel. Rock Mornings with With Craig Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.